Well, I don't know about you, but for me, this has been a hard week. Uh, it's been a hard week for many in our church families. We marked uh, the passing away of multiple individuals, church members, extended family. Uh, this week through multiple memorial services, celebrations of life, and, and before I even talk more about that, I just want to call attention, I know she doesn't want attention, to a person who's sitting right in front of me, Colleen Fletcher. I mean, Colleen, you are a gift. You're a gift to me, you're a gift to our church family, you're a gift to every person that has had a chance to meet you on your journey of life, and I'm so grateful for you and for her service to Christ and our church family. Um, don't we don't call for a, a word of thanks and praise, but can we give a word, can we give a thanks for Colleen Fletcher? Love you, sister. And boy, Colleen, boy, what a, she models so much to me in terms of the love and compassion of Jesus in so many ways. And this week's been a hard week, and Colleen's led many memorial services. We teamed up on a couple, and I know the ones where I was a part of, during those memorial services is we face the mystery of death. With death, every time death stares me in the face, for me, my response is, this is not the way it's supposed to be, right? Deep inside of us, we know that we weren't created to die, that God created us to be in perfect relationship with him, in perfect relationship with each other, but sin came into the world, impacted, and that brought disease and death, and every time we encounter death, something inside I know of me wells up and says, this is not the way it's supposed to be. When we run into disease, it's not the way it's supposed to be. When we run into pain, this is not the way it was supposed to be. And I think we're, that's even been more magnified and accelerated this past year and a half, isn't it true, through the pandemic? Right? There's been so many, this is not the way it was supposed to be moments in this past year and a half. And as we face those losses, as we face that pain, as we face that suffering, it could go one of two ways. I've seen it in people's lives. It goes one of two ways. Um, in one direction is someone encounters that pain and encounters that suffering, and it just pulls the life out of them. It crushes them. It hardens their heart. And it gets to a point that they don't want to care about others, care about themselves, and definitely not care about God. I've seen it take some in that direction, many in that direction. But then there's others. Others that I've seen, when they run into pain and suffering and troubles, that there's something more and something happens in them and through them, where instead of having that pain and that suffering and those losses crush their hearts, somehow in some way it expands their hearts. And typically it's with those who have a deep faith in God, who when they encounter those moments, those times, go to God and lean on Jesus and his compassionate help that he has for us. There's one of two ways. And so we're going to look at that as the main topic today as we continue in our sermon series entitled Deeper, Learning How to Relate to God. And let me be clear as we go through this sermon series, right, that my goal is to help you either take your initial steps or additional steps in learning how to relate to God. That means learning how to love him with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Man, I love what you prayed, Audrey, right, with all of us, bringing all of us to God. We're not just bringing bring our mind and learn a lot about God. We're not just to bring our hands and do a lot of things for God. We're called to bring all of ourselves to God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. That means our past, our present, and our future. That means our thoughts and our feelings. It means everything. Do I get an amen? amen. Right, and so I know I've received some good questions. Good questions about the sermon series. That means I'm doing something right, and I love the questions. I invite the questions. I love the emails, the phone calls, right, saying, hey, is this all psychology? Is this all you know, philosophy, 
No, we're talking about all of us. Love your Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Past, present, future thoughts and feelings. And so today we're gonna consider how God can enlarge our hearts, right? Make us more loving, more compassionate, more like Jesus as we learn to grieve our losses and to move through pain and struggles with the help of Jesus, his compassionate help. Because right, I think there's a way that that happens as we lean on him and his ways. And in doing so, he transforms us, God does, into a more loving person, ultimately to be more like Jesus. So how are we going to do this? What does this look like? What are the dynamics? Right, we're not looking to psychology. We're not looking to philosophy. We're looking to God's word found in the Bible. And we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And in these opening words, the Apostle Paul's writing uh, his second letter to these dear Christians in the ancient city of Corinth. And he opens the letter with a greeting, and then he breaks out into a word of praise. I know it's dark and dreary outside, so I might get a little excited to keep you awake this morning. I mean, he, but he breaks into a word of praise. And that's what Paul does. And I know if you're like me, sometimes I go to the New Testament, I start reading the letters, and it's like, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. And you say, let's get on to the real stuff. And you, then you jump over these initial words, but in the beginning of each letter, the beginning of each epistle, the letter of the New Testament, are some key truths that are then expanded out later in the letter. So if you want the key to each New Testament letter, the opening verses provide that key. And so don't skip over those opening words too quickly. And let's do that today. So we're gonna not, not skip over. Let's focus in today on uh, verse three of 2 Corinthians chapter one. Listen to this. Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Paul, right after initial greeting, he breaks into praise. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right, this word praise, as you think about what the things in your life that you praise, where you say, wow, or you, you exclaim and you respond with just this, this reaction of, of, of positivity and praise. Here, Paul can't hold back. He's like, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is worthy of our praise. Like we sang minutes ago, great are you, Lord. And then he describes this God that's worthy of our praise. And in this description includes aspects of God's character who he is. All right, there's two descriptions. First, he describes God as the father of compassion. Right? It's personal. It's not just God who's out there. It's not just God who's an idea, God who's far away, but God who's personal like a father, like the love, a, lo a perfect loving parent. And not just a father, but a father of compassion. Right? What comes to your mind when you hear the word compassion? Right? There's different images that may come to mind of someone who is compassionate or someone who has empathy, right? The word compassion, right, literally means to suffer with, right? To suffer with another person, right? The word passion speaks to suffering and the prefix com comes means to suffer with. And so here is the father of compassion. He suffers with us, meaning he's not a God that when he sees us in pain, sees us struggling, sees us in troubles, he doesn't recoil, he doesn't back away. No, the God, the father of compassion moves towards us. Right? We see that revealed in Jesus, right? When he ran into people who were struggling, hurting, in need of healing, he didn't run away, he moved towards them. In fact, he touched them, he healed them, he moved into their world. 
and he revealed the Father of compassion, God the Father. So we see that God is the Father of compassion. Then we see that God is the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. So what comes to your mind when you think of the word comfort? Right, as I think of the word comfort, I know for me, for years, the idea of comfort was just take away the pain. Make it go away. Make it better. I think of my, if I had memories of falling off my bike and, and my parents coming and running to me and just thinking, make it better. Make the pain go away. Uh, but a biblical definition isn't that. Comfort, right, the, the second part of that word fort, which speaks to fortitude and strength, a biblical definition of comfort is providing strengthening aid to move through something. Not to take you out of the trouble, not to remove the pain, but to give strengthening aid to help you move through it. Right? And so the idea of comfort as taking away the pain and making it go away is more of an Eastern religion, like remove all suffering from our existence. That's not a biblical definition of comfort. A biblical definition of comfort is one of providing strengthening aid to move through the trouble and the struggle. And here God is described as the God of all comfort. God who provides that strengthening aid to help us as we're, not if, but when we encounter trouble in this world. So what do we do with it, right? Then we read these great, great insights from Paul saying that, that we, God comforts us so then we can sit back and be happy. No, he comforts us with a purpose so that we can then go and comfort others with the same comfort that we ourselves have received. It's an amazing picture of God's grace right, flowing to us and through us out to others. God, who's the father of compassion, he suffers with us, he moves towards us, and as he moves towards us, he provides this strengthening aid to move through what we're facing. He's there with us, and then we're called to then be his agents to, re to share that with others, that his compassion and his comfort flows through us to others who are going through the same thing. In many ways, God gives us not only the ability to comfort others like we've been comforted. I believe he also increases our capacity to do it. Like any muscle, when you exercise that muscle over and over, it grows. And so as we exercise this muscle of receiving compassion, receiving comfort, and then passing it on to others, that muscle grows. Our heart grows. Not the physical organ, but the very core of who we are grows in compassion and comfort. It grows to be more like Jesus. So as we think about this, when we think about Jesus, when we think about how he reveals the God of all comfort, as he reveals the Father of compassion, um, it's one thing to say that about God. It's a nice maybe intellectual fact, right? That we could say God's the God of all compassion or God's the God of all comfort. If I'm a skeptic, I'm saying, show me, why is that true? How do I know that to be true? You can say that about God, but Someone can say, look at my life. I don't know if I felt that compassion. I don't know if I felt that comfort. How can I be sure that God is the God of compassion and comfort? And my response to that would be, look at Jesus. Right? Look who he is and look what he's gone through. Not only in terms of how he shows compassion to others, but what he has gone through himself. Because he's been there. He's been through the pain. He's been through the suffering. So I want us to take a look briefly at an account where Jesus, what he went through, um, right before he went to the cross, right, Jesus, and as he was about to be handed over and arrested and eventually crucified, right, he goes through a very, very difficult event. 
Um, so I invite you to listen to what happened at this event as he goes to a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. And like other weeks, I invite you to, to close your eyes. Now, don't fall asleep, especially on a day like this, but like close your eyes, and I ask you to imagine being there. Imagine what it would have been like to either have been Jesus or one of his disciples or maybe a third party watching as I read this account from Matthew 26, 36 through 44. Listen to it about Jesus, right? Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And so he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Hmm. Let you open your eyes. Right, we see in this account right, that Jesus encountered struggle, trouble, deep sorrow, overwhelming sorrow, even to the point of saying that he was sorrowful to the point of death. Uh, he's feeling deeply here. And, and being fully God, yes, but also being fully human, you see the humanness that he brings his friends with him. He asks for help for his friends to be with him to pray with him, pray for him. And he reached out to God the Father in prayer. And it's so interesting, even Jesus, right, as he's going through this struggle, as he's realizing what he's facing, because what's coming to him is going to be the cross. What's coming to him is going to be, he's going to be abandoned by all of his friends. He's going to be separated from his family. He's going to be in the most shame-filled place you can be, nailed, naked on a cross, and made fun of by not only Roman soldiers, by all who would pass him. Here's Jesus facing this, recognizing that he's going to have loss after loss after loss, and pain after pain after pain that's coming. And in this moment, we see how he went through it. And he called out to God, he even said, God, look, Father, if you can take this away, if you can take this cup away, please do so. But then recognizing, if it's not your will, I'll go through it. We see the very humanness of Jesus here as he calls out what he went through for us. For me, I love reading about Jesus. What I love about the Christian faith and why I'm a follower of Jesus is because God didn't stay far away. He didn't stay far away in a safe, 
clean, happy heaven, and then just expect us to surrender and submit to him from afar and just do it because he said to do it. The God that we see in the New Testament, the God of Christianity, is the God who came to be with us, to come into this sin-impacted, disease-ridden world, this dirty, smelly world, to even wash his disciples' feet in that world, he came into this world and he also went through the pain and the suffering and the losses that we experience every day. And so because of that, he proves and shows that God, for me, that God is trustworthy. We can trust him. Isn't it true that if you're going through a rough time and someone comes and gives you advice or wants to help you, if they've been through what you're going through, how much more meaningful it is? Isn't that true? Right? Someone can read a book about something and come and start lecturing you. That, even if their heart's in the right place, it just doesn't feel right. But if someone's been through what you're going through, wow, when they come alongside of you and suffer with you, it's a deeper feeling. Maybe you've never considered, because for years I didn't, just how powerful it is that the Son of God came to be with us because he experienced the same suffering and struggles and troubles that you and I have experienced. He uniquely can give the compassionate help that we need. Right? And so that's what we're looking at here in terms of why it's important. And back to 2 Corinthians chapter, th- chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, that as we go through these struggles and trials, that Jesus is with us. Right? Jesus had three options. Right? He could have avoided the pain. He could have tried to control the pain. Or he could have gone through it. And he chose to go through it. Yes, to go to the cross and die for the forgiveness of our sins, but also, I believe, so that as we walk this earth, that he is a compassionate, compassionate God who walks with us. He's proved it, and he's proved that he can help us. And as we go through it with his help, again, I believe he gives us the ability to not only love and comfort and bring compassion to others, to give us, he not only gives us the ability, he increases our capacity as we do it. He enlarges our hearts. But the struggle is we can find ourselves wanting to, 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 to not engage. Right, Jesus, he didn't avoid it. He didn't control it. He went through it. But for us, we could easily avoid the, try to avoid the pain or try to control it. And this comes in all kinds of ways. Right? Whether it's through trying to numb the pain. Right? Through maybe substances or different addictions. Maybe it comes through blaming others. Right? Instead of of, of, of just putting the focus on other people. Maybe it comes through rationalizations or denials. We can avoid, try to avoid the pain or try to control it. Other ways we can find ourselves going to quick spiritual answers. It's the right truths and the right Bible verses, but maybe not dealing and really being honest and bringing to God what we're going through. Or perhaps we can just demand of others and demand of God that they just take away the pain and make it better. None of those things really help us move through what we need to move through and really let God come alongside of us to help us through it. God invites us to invite him to walk with us. Like in the prayer, the Audrey prayer before, to bring ourselves fully to him and that he brings himself fully to us. Henry Nouwen, the great author and spiritual director in many ways, he says, the degree to which we grieve our losses well is the degree to which we are compassionate people as we allow God and his compassionate grace to come to us, um, allows us to become more compassionate. Um, as I think about the story, I think about um, someone I encountered years ago th- uh, through, some, uh, through a book called A Grace Disguised. His name is Jerry Sitzer. He's a 
uh, author, and he's a professor at Whitworth University in Spokane, Washington. When I was out living near Seattle, um, the pastors there had different touch points with him and came across this incredible book in terms of what it means to deal with loss and suffering. Um, in, the, in this book, in the opening pages, Jerry shares about what happened in his life, that as he was at an event and, and, and with his mom and his wife and his children, they were, they were coming home, and sadly on the way home on the interstate, a drunk driver crossed over the line, smashed into his car, and in that crash, um, his mom, his wife, and one of his children, one of his daughters, were killed. In his words, three generations wiped out and killed in one accident. And in this book, A Grace Disguise, he talks about how he then plummeted into a deep, deep darkness, right, an abyss where he just didn't feel anything, where, where was God, what was going on, and he just went through this, this, this horribly tragic stretch of his life. I can't imagine feeling the loss that this man felt. But after a certain amount of time of being in that darkness, friends who walked with him, God who brought his compassion and help to Jerry through friends and family members, listening, being with him, eventually someone brought this insight to him through other reflections from other writers. And it was this, the quickest way for anyone to reach the sun and the light of day is not to run west, chasing after the setting sun, but to head east, plunging into the darkness until one comes to the sunrise. Right, what Jerry talked about is this, he for, as he was in that darkness, he just wanted to reach out, reach out for something or someone, whether it was God, some type of light in the midst of the darkness. And, and a friend said, if you want to see the light of day, don't try and run after the sunset. Don't run west, as the sun, you'll never catch it. But turn, they said, with God's help, move into the darkness, move through the pain, move through the losses, and then you'll come to the sunset, sunrise. And that's what he began to experience. And over time, in this book, he details how God then began to expand his heart, and especially for others who experience losses of dear family members, um, to the point where then he said this, the soul contains the capacity to know and love God to become virtuous, to learn truth, and to live by moral conviction. He says, the soul is elastic, like a balloon. It can grow larger through suffering, and once enlarged, the soul is also capable of experiencing greater joy, strength, peace, and love. Um, if you've experienced deep loss in your life, or are experiencing deep loss in your life, I highly recommend this book. This is the book that I give to anyone who's encountered any type of tragic loss. And here, Jerry Sitzer mentions and describes really this dynamic of as we go through darkness, as we experience pain, as we experience loss, as we grieve that with the compassionate help of Jesus, as he brings us through it, the one, the one person who can truly help us, truly, because he's been through it, that in doing so, not only does God give us the ability to love well, he increases our capacity to love well, and in essence, increases our capacity to be more and more like Jesus. Um, I mean, Jerry's sister said it well. He says, we are changed and changed forever when we grieve our losses. I don't know where you are today, whether it's a loss from the far past. Maybe it's a loss from the recent past. Maybe it's a loss you're experiencing today, right now, or maybe you're facing something in the near future. 
know this, that God loves you. And he wants you not to turn away from him, not to, to have your heart crushed by that loss, but to give it to him, to turn to him, and to let him walk with you through it, and to let the compassionate help of Jesus, right, the, who reveals the father of compassion, the one who suffers with us, and the God of all comfort, who gives us that strengthening aid to move through whatever we're going through, to turn to him and to trust and believe that as you do, he'll meet you in that, but he'll also in the process give you the ability and greater capacity to love others like he has loved you. Um, it's a both and as we look at these, uh, these circumstances. I want to give you one thing to remember and one thing to do and there's some questions for reflection coming out of this sermon. Um, one thing to remember is overall is that God, remember God enlarges our heart, right? meaning our ability and capacity to love and be compassionate like Jesus. He enlarges our heart for others and in the process draws us into a deeper relationship with him as we grieve our losses or as we move through pain with the compassionate help of Jesus. So what are we to do? Uh, I invite you to do the following, to identify this week, to identify one specific loss in your life where God has comforted you so that you can love someone else more deeply in that area. Uh, perhaps it's something from a long time ago. Maybe it's something more recent. Maybe it's right now. Or perhaps, let me even back it up more. Maybe you haven't brought something to God. Maybe you haven't brought him that loss. I invite you to do that this week. Say, God, help me to grieve this loss of a loved one, maybe of a lost job, maybe of a previous chapter of life, maybe of a health, something in your life to say, God, I bring it to you. I want to grieve this with you. And I trust and believe you're going to meet me in that. And as he walks with you through it, then consider how then you can then be used by God to share that love and comfort and compassion with someone else. And let that flow through you. And practice and exercise that muscle as you practice and exercise with that muscle, it increases your capacity to love others and to become more like Jesus and to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Some questions for reflection. Again, all these, if you're, these will go out in the email tomorrow as a sermon recap. If you're not on the church email list, you can email office at thecornernj.com and we'll put you on that email list. Um, all these questions will be posted there. But for question number one, what losses have you experienced and how have they impacted you? To consider this week, what losses have you experienced? And when have you gone through times of pain? And how have they impacted you? Again, I always invite you to take out a piece of paper and maybe write a list. Maybe even go through different chapters of your life. Childhood, you know, when you were in school as a child, beyond that, in terms of middle school, high school, maybe after and then young adulthood all the way through to whatever chapters as far as your book is written to this point, right? What are the losses you've experienced and how they've impacted you. Two, ask the question, do you tend to ignore, try to control, or move through your grief? This is a, an honest question, and it's going to get to some things, right? Do you, what's your tendency? Is it to ignore it? I, just turn your head away to try and control it? Or to say, God, I want to, with your help, move through it? Ask that question. Number three, ask the question, what could change if you received Jesus' unique compassion and comfort as you grieve your losses, and how could that enlarge your heart for others? Just think about this sermon. Think about what you've heard. As God's compassionate help comes to you, how could that begin to enlarge your heart and your compassion for others? And imagine what could be different 
in your life. Imagine if you could see the losses and the pain and the trouble through different, a different lens, knowing you're not alone, right? That God is with you. He wants you to remain with him. And Jesus, who went through all that he went through, is uniquely qualified to help you through whatever you're facing. Imagine how that can change. Imagine also how God could use you to be a blessing for others. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, as we've considered these truths today, we realize again that this world is not as it was meant to be. And in the struggles that we face, thank you, Lord, that we don't have to face them alone. Thank you for Jesus. That we go through every day. Because of that, he, he alone is uniquely qualified to give us his compassionate help. Lord, I pray for each person who hears this message, God, that you would give them the courage and the ability to bring whatever they need to bring to you. That you would meet them there with your perfect love, your perfect grace, and your compassion and comfort, that strengthening aid to move them through whatever they're facing now as they reflect on the past and even as they look towards their future. God, grow our relationship with you. Help us to love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.